Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Don't confuse failing at a certain task or even failing at, let's say, starting a company with you yourself as a failure. Never. Mix those two things up. You're listening to Crazy Smart Asia, a podcast exploring the unexpected stories of Asia's disruptors. Twenty years ago, David Young became a vegetarian. He was mocked, and his family asked him why. He had no idea it would change his life forever. In 2012, he founded Green Monday, a social venture and advocacy organization. To tackle the looming issues around climate change, food insecurity, and public health, but even his closest friends doubted his business model. A few years later, he created Green Common, a plant-based grocery store that now has 15 outlets across Asia. Following it with the launch of Omni Pork, now called Omni Foods, which produces plant-based meat alternatives that focuses on the taste and demands of the Asian market. Today, Green Monday is the leader in Asia's rapidly growing alternative protein industry. In 2020, it raised 70 million U.S. dollars in its fourth fundraising round. It was the largest raise for an alt-protein startup in Asia to date, with celebrity investors including James Cameron, Mary McCartney, and Susan Rockefeller. Above all, the company is making good on David's promise of tackling some of the biggest challenges facing the planet today. Needless to say, no one is mocking him now. In a candid conversation with Gentis Lee Williamson, David discusses the difficult early days, the secret to successful fundraising, and how he went from running a chain of grocery stores to creating a global food tech giant. Here's our conversation. David Young, thank you so much for joining us in Crazy Smart Asia. Well, thank you for having me.、Um, I am so excited to be in your office in Kowloon Tong. How many people do you have、uh, here today? Wow, we have two hundred plus people in this office, and if we include part time, probably up to two fifty now. Okay, that's huge and a huge development over the last few years. Well, huge is relative, but I mean, for us, we've grown a lot. I mean, yeah, exactly. Huge relative to where you were a few years ago, and I'm really excited to get into that、uh, into that a little bit later. Before we do. I'm wondering if you're game to answer a few quickfire questions. Sure. I promise I'm going to ask you some more in-depth intellectual so stuff. So, am, am I supposed to give like what one-word answer or like 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 five-second answer? Five-second answers. Okay. Yeah, like you kind of keep it smart. Just like it's a quick kind of way to break the ice, get to know a little bit better. Sure. Our audience. Yes. Okay. Can you explain what you do in one sentence? Promote plant-based to the world. Make change happen. What's non-negotiable for you in business or life? Compromising integrity. Nice. Is there something surprising about you that most people don't know? I talk a lot, but actually, during private time, I'm a very quiet person. Okay, <laughs> I like that wry smile as you gave that answer. I was wondering what you were going to say.、Um, what is the most counterintuitive thing in life that's actually true? Well, common sense is uncommon. <laughs> true.、Um, what one person has had the biggest impact on your life?、Uh, my father. What's your most treasured possession? Wisdom. <laughs> 
that I mean that is priceless, and no one can take that away from you. True, true. What was your biggest aha moment in business or life? Like a big, like kind of penny drop realization moment. Well, I mean, any overnight success takes ten years, if not more. Mm. Um, you you got to put in the work and the effort. So when when did you realize that? What was the aha moment when you're like, oh, this is going to be a long journey? Well, I mean, that that was quite a while ago, maybe ten, fifteen years ago. I mean, there are some. I mean, of course, there are always some either super brilliant or super lucky people mm. who just nail it on the first time and they make it big or make it a, a big success uh, on the first trial or you know a, a relative shortcut, but. Um, generally speaking, you know, any so-called overnight success takes ten years. Whether it's you know entertainment, technology, business, mm. I mean, most people put in a lot of work before they actually become that so-called you know oh shining star or right. emerging star. Right, hundred percent. This is really difficult to do in a five-second answer. But what's the secret to success? Is it that un you know unglamorous hard work you were speaking of? Yes, that's one of them perseverance uh okay that's the key okay this is the key not afraid to fail mm. not afraid to fail not afraid to fail and dust yourself off when you do yeah inevitably do exactly okay great that's a quick fire round over <laughs> thank you so much you well some of them sport. some of them was more than 10 seconds or five seconds <laughs> but i think you know the idea is to get to know a little bit better yep. before we get into the kind of the heavier stuff and 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 here comes the first one i'm going to throw at you sure David. so in 2012, you launched Green Monday, um, a social venture that addresses animal welfare, environmental issues, health and climate change through various innovative initiatives. In 2015, you launched Green Common, a plant-based grocery store that now has 15 outlets, I believe, across Asia. And then three years later, in 2018, you launched then Omni Pork, now Omni Foods, which produces plant-based meat alternatives, focusing on the tastes and demands of the Asian market. But let's start. That's a very that's a long journey. That's a big CV already. Mm-hmm. Let's start at the very, very beginning. Where did your journey begin? I believe you became a vegetarian about 20 years ago. Is that right? That's right. Um, so what was the road like? It was turning that, that turning point in your life, your personal life, and turning that passion into your business. How did you do that? Right. I mean, it was 20 years ago, uh, 2001, when I started my vegetarian days. And... Um, I never could have imagined that that decision would turn out not just be, well, it it would be life-changing for me individually, Mm. but I never expect it would be life-changing in terms of my entire life, like career, you know, business, you know, global impact, you know, things like that. I never think of that on that day. It was just, you know, oh, I mean, I, Mm. um, but, you know, one major turning point was, uh, 2006, when United Nations uh, IPCC published a report that livestock industry actually is a big source of carbon emission yeah. and a lot of other sustainability crisis, crises such as water, uh, land use, um, you know, and just global population growth that we could not, we are not going to be able to keep up. Mm. So, I mean, I'm a I'm a science major. I I major in engineering, so pretty much I'm a nerd mm-hmm. and. <laughs> I like when like engineers kind of have this weird like you know kind of attachment to problems and like when you when you see certain problems you almost want to decode them you want to solve them um it's like a puzzle in front of you it's like tempting mm. and and in this particular case because the topic involves something that is dear to me 
which at that time I was already a vegetarian. Mm -hmm. So I was like, oh, let me try to put the picture together. And then the more I took like deep dive into the topic, the more I realized that, wait, you know, this these numbers just don't add up. I mean, if we have 8 billion people, well, at that point, even less than, it, it was about 7 billion, yeah. less than 7 billion at that time. Today, we're at 8 billion population and very soon 10 billion. And then you look at land, water, our threshold for carbon. I mean, they just don't add up. I mean, this thing will collapse. It's, this thing is called the global food system. I mean, it cannot keep up with sustaining 8, 9, 10 billion people based on the way we eat. So that was the first moment. I mean, I, just like, you know, a nerd would do, I, you know, I remember just like kind of doing my own version of like a a paper, you know, like a big mm, project, a, right. a research project, except I didn't have to submit to anyone. Right, you, I just, mean, you worked up the numbers. Yeah, I mean, I just did it myself and... I'm like, okay, this is wrong. I mean, this this can sustain. So, but that was back in 2006. So, it wasn't like that moment. Um, I said to myself that I need to like like start a venture or something. Right. Um, and what but was it the just, catalyst that got you there? A lot of people see the numbers, but yeah. Don't act on it. What What was the the, the moment that that made you decide I'm going to risk my career and I'm going to go on my own and I'm <laughs> going to do something to change this? I. I mean, now, even thinking back, I still find it to be like very surreal. Just how did I come up with that courage and that, I mean, now people call it vision, right? Oh, David, you know, or Green Monday, you guys are such visionary. I mean, I really, back then we were just stupid <laughs> and and indeed crazy, just like you're the name of your show, right? Um, so how, I mean, I guess to me, I was getting inspiration from like EV right. and clean energy. Right. And I just thought if those were the sources, well, the original fossil fuel vehicles and, you know, burning coal and all that, if those were the sources of the lack of sustainability in the world yeah. and new innovation were coming up in those sectors, then something will need to happen in the food sector. Mm -hmm. So, So, yes, I mean, that was kind of the most fundamental backdrop on why i said let's do something about it mm, yeah. yeah but indeed no one back in 2012 virtually no one was talking about this in asia right it, no one was talking about it it wasn't trendy and since you started it there's been this huge shift uh, in attitude towards vegetarianism and veganism in the public consciousness right it people were like you were once ridiculed right in, in mainstream media kind of we were right but now we were mocked you were mocked but you've done your hard yards and now you're so now you're so it like being plant-based is trendy right it's catalyzed by all these innovations coming out of silicon valley and also now of course in the last few years uh, asia there's all these celebrity endorsements you know your investors for example include like james cameron and Susan Rockefeller, like, you know, it's it's cool to be plant-based. So that's happened in the last five years. What does the next five years look like for this movement? And how do you convert this trend into more people taking action and more results? Well, first of all, when you said, yeah, now this is the it thing, you know, you know, plant-based is cool. I mean, I, I just can't help to have this smile on my face because, <laughs> again, I mean, it was just not that long ago that we were still absolutely mock and you know, just people consider us weird. Mm -hmm. So that 
transformation of the industry globally, I mean, is unbelievable. And it is, of course, very encouraging. So the last five years was, let's say, you know, 2016 to now 2021. I am actually very optimistic about the next five or 10 years mm. because, number one, I mean, breaking ground is always the hardest. Yeah. And collectively, as an industry, we broke ground the last five, eight years, particularly in North America and in Europe, let's say. Um, it's obvious that nowadays plant-based has gone completely mainstream. Yeah. Um, and as you said, you know, it's now the it thing, right? Uh, in Asia, it's still only the beginning. It's still only the beginning. So um, we are nowhere near the stage of, let's say, you know, again, North America and Europe yeah. as far as Asia is concerned. But I think the overall awareness has skyrocketed. Now, the other thing that is, uh, you know, hard to believe, but it is completely happening, is now, number one, there are a lot of investors that are, you know, putting money and resources into this sector. Mm. And then the other one is about ESG. Now, ironically, I mean, so I, I won't say thanks to, but ironically, because of COVID, the, I think the whole world, particularly in the corporate sector, has really understood that you know, our planet and humanity is much more vulnerable than we think. Right. I mean, our we, actions have consequences. Every action has consequences. I mean, we may be venturing into AI, you know, blockchain, and a lot of very you know, tech-savvy stuff, but fundamentally, the place that we live on, you know, that we depend on, this place called Earth, mm-hmm. and our environment as a whole, is so fragile and we are putting it on the brink of collapse. So once people realize that, I mean, ESG awareness, investing um, has absolutely skyrocketed. So with so much more effort, resources, and not to mention that a lot of leaders now are pledging net zero, Mm. Um, you know, ESG has become almost like the core, the overall collective effort and resources is going to be so much more in the next five years than the previous five years. Mm-hmm. So, and then not to mention that young generations, um, you know, the Gen Zs, the millennials, they care. <laughs> they mm-hmm. care deeply and they are going to take action and do something about it. The second season of Crazy Smart Asia is sponsored by BNP Paribas Wealth Management. We live in a dynamic and ever-changing world where innovation leads the way, a world facing unprecedented challenges. We need to change the way we create and consume to fuel the next wave of change and build a brighter, more sustainable tomorrow. BNP Paribas Wealth Management is proud to support Crazy Smart Asia on its mission to tell the stories of inspiring leaders who are doing just that. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. 
PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Is it now a, a, a close shop? Or are there still opportunities in the old protein space in Asia for new players? I mean, we are... Like, if this is a soccer game, we are still in, the like, the first 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um, so let's say this is a 90-minute soccer game, right? Um, super early stage. So by no means are we anywhere close to, like, I think, I mean, there are a lot of forecasts, right? I mean, from researchers, bankers, and they project that, let's say by 2030 or 2035, you know, alternative protein and dairy will make up for you know, anywhere from 8, 10, maybe even 15% right. of the entire protein industry. And I mean, that's a lot. I mean, we look at it from a percentage standpoint. You're like, okay, you know, we are at 1% or 0.5% today. It means growing 20-fold or right. 100-fold, whatever that is. Of course, 20-fold, 50-fold is huge. But if we convert that back to tons, like how many tons of new protein do we need to produce and get to the market and for the consumers to actually adopt and buy them? That we're talking about a gigantic number. Mm. So by all means, there are so many opportunities. Um, we are at a super early stage in terms of the industry. Mm. I'm now starting to get a sense of that nerdiness you were telling me about earlier. <laughs> and, I, and I see why there's equations and, uh, and drawings of what look like <laughs> cells on the whiteboard in your office that we're looking at here. You're very much you, into you're the stare, details, You're right? staring at top secret of the company right now. I should have erased this. Yeah, you probably shouldn't invite the media in uh, when you've got your trade <laughs> secrets up on a whiteboard in the office, David. <laughs> Although I think these are not legible to 99.9% of people. Yeah, I think actually you might have saved yourself. I can't really read it. Um, so, um, but speaking of which, um, and that expertise that you need to be in the alternative protein space, you know, your, your first journey, you, uh, the first part of your journey was opening eateries and grocery stores mm -hmm. ar around here. So, you know, you went from deciding to be a vegetarian to opening a chain of grocery stores, which is impressive, no doubt, right? But retail is not an uncharted business territory. What I'm really interested in is how you went from there to starting a food tech company, mm. right? That's building labs. That's hiring staff with such a niche, rare expertise. Yes. It's navigating regulations. It's building a distribution network. There's a massive leap from running a chain of successful stores. How did you make that transition? Um, well, it was uh, honestly a trial and error process. I mean, I don't want to sound like it was just a seamless transition. I mean, um, I mean looking back... It's like, oh, yeah, we, we made it. Yeah. Um, but the process, now, first of all, I mean, we, were, uh, we, we were, we are very lucky to uh, recruit some very, very good food scientists um, who are seasoned, who are very experienced, um, and who share the same goal and mission. So um, bringing in, first of all, it's about bringing in the right team. Mm. Um, at the end of the day, there's nothing that matters most in any company, not to mention an IP-driven company, than talents. Yeah. Um, and so 
the the honest truth is that to blaze new trails into so many different spaces. The one common thing behind is always how to attract talents,、mm. how to how to build the vision that they can resonate with, yeah, and then we can all collaborate and work towards.、Right. So,、uh, yes, actually, that that transition, I guess, the very very fundamental piece is just、um, you know reiterating what our ultimate mission is and what does it take to get there. Now. For what you just described, right? Opening stores and restaurants, and then building labs,、um, you know, doing science projects. I mean, they seem to be polar opposites,、mm. or you know, far apart. But at the end of the day, they we need all of them to create the combined solution or the combined ecosystem.、Um, at the end, for for an end consumer. So, in some way, I was doing two labs. I was creating two labs. One is the scientific lab, and the other one is the market research lab. Right.、Um, the shop really is the best market research because、mm. on every single day we are collecting the most valuable data from consumers. Right. Right.、Um, and then they will vote. They give you very solid feedback and say, "Hey, you know what? Let's say item A outsells item B by fifty times." And then you're like, oh, I mean, we never expect that. We thought they would be. Let's just hypothetically, we we thought they would be, you know, equal. But it turns out A outsells B tremendously. And then we start to really break down again the why, the reasons、right. behind that. So actually, it's so both sides going、other. simultaneous trial and error, and both sides feeding data into each other. So you need the right talent. You need the people. You need to the market research to really know what your market is. I imagine also. You needed and still need a huge amount of precise planning, and in the early days when you're going to the food tech space, precise planning and patience—would that be fair to say? Yes,、uh, patience. First of all, I mean, I am a big preacher of patience.、Um, we are changing people's mindset and behavior. I mean, changing diet is hard. It is hard.、Mm. Um, I mean, people have been eating meat all their life. You know, why change all of a sudden? So, patience is a must because most people don't change overnight, and that is the reason why we have Green Monday. Right, is to provide a framework to nudge people to that baby step of change,、mm. rather than just to say, "Oh, you know, don't eat meats like tomorrow." One of your big advantages, right, is you're not just selling a product. You built a culture. You built a community. Yes. Was that deliberate from day one, or was that a happy? You just wanted to start spreading the word, and then they all started to mesh together. Well,、um, again, the Green Monday, Green Common, Omni Foods ecosystem.、Um, again, now looking back, it's like what a comprehensive and holistic, you know, puzzle that we put together. Yeah.、Um, indeed, from day one, I knew. I guess because I've been vegetarian for t- for so long, I knew that if we were to try to even make a shift in the society, it's not going to be a one-dimensional effort.、Mm. And was that a happy coincidence, or was that by design? 
Um, Honestly. If, if I want to sound like a genius, I would say everything was carefully planned, right? <laughs> um, well, it, it was a combination. I mean, I knew that it we need like a multi-prong approach, but of course it was learning as we, as we sure. uh, progress. And what would you say has been the, the hardest part of the entire journey so far? Well, I mean, I would still say the early days mm. um, when no one knew what we were doing, honestly. I mean, we were so, it was a very lonely process. And for the first three, four years when we, were, we, when we weren't even selling stuff, and people were like, David, I mean, you call yourself a social venture? I mean, where's the business? Right. I mean, yeah, I mean, they, they see Green Monday as a campaign, which, which of course it is, and it's a successful one. But like, where's the venture? You know, what is your business model? And, and then even early days, of course, the first few Green Commons were just learning, you know, just work in progress and learning as we went. Yeah. Um, and then Omni. So every step of the way was was hard and jumping every time when we took that leap most people were like can you really do it can you juggle so many things um so yes i mean early days the groundbreaking i i would still emphasize that it's still very hard those early days when people were asking hey david where's the business plan um that must have taken an awful lot of self belief <laughs> yes <laughs> to get through those. Are there any other tricks that entrepreneurs listening to this podcast can, can uh, take on board? I mean, apart from just blind belief in your vision and your abilities. Yes. How else do you get through those early days? I don't no know. one else believes or buys into what you're doing. I'm always very hesitant to give like entrepreneurship advice and say, hey, you know, persevere, hang in there, you know, because There's a lot in of cliches going around. Yes, a lot of cliches and a lot of people did their best to persevere and they still end up failing. Yeah. Um, now, I guess my the only thing that I really can, I mean, try to share is that, uh, well, first of all, of course, is this something that you deeply, profoundly believe in? Um, are there other reference, references that give you source of confidence? to persevere. So again, in my case, even though plant-based protein or protein innovation was non-existent, you know, five, eight, 10 years ago in terms of public awareness, but climate change is real, Mm. even though there are some deniers, but climate change is real. And there are other sectors that were already doing innovation. Now, think about Elon Musk. Now, uh, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm not comparing us to, to Tesla. Yeah. But just as an example of perseverance, that's what I'm referring to. For the longest time, people questioned Tesla or other EVs. But from my standpoint, I saw the journey of EV. Yeah. And of course, it took a lot of time. But I finally also see how they really take off. Right. And now, of course, it's absolutely massive and this is mainstream. And then by 20, 28, 2030, more than half of the new vehicles, maybe even 60, 70% of vehicles, depending on country, will be new energy, mm. not fossil fuel, right? So if you really think about 2010 versus 2030, the whole journey is, um, let's, let's call it 20 years. 
And right now, we are right at the midpoint that when the massive tipping point happened. So even today, right, plant-based protein is still such a tiny percentage of the entire uh, protein industry and market. Um, so I still need to feed this kind of optimism into my team. We'll be right back with Lee and David. But first, let's hear from Lemuel Lee, BNP Paribas Wealth Management's head of Hong Kong market. He talks to Lee about the growth of alternative protein startups in Asia and the opportunities for investors in the space. The alternative protein space has grown massively in the last 18 months with a number of successful startups coming out of the region. But what are the future opportunities for investors? Plant-based meat alternatives is a very exciting and dynamic opportunity for food investors. Previously, a niche category for vegans, plant-based foods are now growing strongly driven by multiple factors such as human health, antibiotic and hormones in livestock, environmental concerns, and improving quality in merchandising. However, the barriers to entry are not very high, so we have to be selective. Major food companies are investing now in the alternative protein space. Investors can gain exposure to plant-based foods and thematic social responsible investing funds. Thematic funds are more diversified than investing in a given stock and generally invest along the food chain. What metrics should investors use to assess the growth potential of a startup in alternative protein? With matured companies, the process of establishing value and investability is fairly straightforward. You can look at sales, profits, and cash flow. For early-stage startups, investors have to be much more effort in getting inside of the business and the opportunities. Some criteria include size of the addressable market, a product with a competitive edge that can make profits, and of course, evaluating the risk whether that's regulatory, legal, or safety concerns. At the end of the day, the most relevant measure would be seal the sales and revenue as a percentage of the addressable market and how fast that growth is being generated. A big part of the attraction of alternative protein startups is their positive impact on the environment, of course. What other industries and sustainability are piquing investor interest? Themes such as water, sustainable foods, energy transition, as well as innovation in healthcare all resonates well with clients. At BNP Paribas, we've developed a very comprehensive social and responsible impact rating methodology to avoid greenwashing in order to make sure that each investment has a positive impact on the sustainable development goals, as well as developing good performance for our clients. And now, back to the show. With the, the Green Monday campaign and, and, and movement, as well as Green Common, um, you've also helped out a lot of other brands. You've been changing minds through Green Monday, and, and that benefits Omni, but it also benefits other providers of all protein. Yes. You know, the Beyond Burger, Just Egg, and a lot of other all protein brands made their debut outside the US through Green Common. Um, they're also your competitors, but you still stock them, right? Um, do you feel a, a responsibility to the overall development of the sector? You know, are you of the you know a rising tide lifts all ships mentality? How, how does that? Fit I'm in? I'm very glad you bring this up. Um, whenever people ask us, oh, you know, there's another new alternative protein company here and there. Uh, what do we think? Um, ultim- now, of course, not every one of them will succeed. I mean, just by the basic, you know. By default, right? I mean, you're not going to have a thousand companies doing similar things. Um, but ultimately, food with food, people need choice. Um, no one, well, I guess most people don't eat the same thing seven days a week. Um, yeah. No matter how much they love, you know, pizza or burgers or ramen, right? I mean, you don't 
maybe some people eat ramen seven days a week. Yeah, I don't know. Sure. So, uh, but the point, but you get my point is mm. variety is important. So for us, we don't, no, no company should pretend, I mean, that they can do everything. I mean, Starbucks is not going to serve, you know, they, they, they specialize in a lot of things, but they're not going to be able to serve everyone everything they want. Right. McDonald's. I mean, no matter how, they're already the biggest fast food chain in the world. They are not going to serve everything to everyone, right? Mm. Because food is just such a gigantic industry. And indeed, it is quite fragmented. Um, even the largest leader of an industry may only have single-digit market share. Right. So uh, once you look at it from that standpoint, then you understand why Green Common and Green Monday as a group um, is generally very willing to um, expand explore collaboration um just egg is a good example right we have the omnipot luncheon you know which goes so well with egg mm -hmm. and when you put them together in a burger or in a sandwich that is the complete dish right you know or even an all-day breakfast you know you don't just have the patty or the luncheon meats a breakfast needs a lot of things, right? You put, you know, all, you know whether salad or kale or, you know, avocado mm -hmm. and then the egg and then the protein. So, yeah, I mean, we are not developing eggs. So why not work with someone who is good at it? It's an overall ecosystem. Um, last thing I want to ask you about, like I mentioned, a lot of our listeners are entrepreneurs themselves. Um, in September 2020, you uh, announced that Green Monday had raised 70 million USD uh, from global investors to accelerate the company's growth, which was the largest fundraising um, of its kind to date in Asia for any plant-based company. Massive, massive news. A lot of entrepreneurs uh, listen to this podcast, as I say. Can you share any tips to successful fundraising? <laughs> or is the main tip just be in the plant-based industry because there's a lot of money floating around right now? Or do you dispute that? Um... Actually, on this last point that you just brought up, when there are a lot of money chasing company, mm. I'm not sure if that necessarily is the best time um, to start something. I mean, on one hand, the degree of difficulty of finding funding right now has, you know, is much, has dropped a lot, meaning it's much easier. Yeah. So that's the good news. But the bad news is that there are clearly many, many more players uh, in the field. So how to pitch to investors or how to find investors in the first place? Um, actually, I guess I will flip this question around and, and you know, have something to share to potential investors, which is, you know, just truly think a little bit more ahead and anticipate what the market may need, mm. okay? And then try to either search for or even incubate these entrepreneurs who may be developing new things. So my, okay, I, I wear multiple hats. So besides being an entrepreneur, I am an investor. Mm. And we invested in Beyond Meat since six, seven years ago. We invested in Califia since more than five years ago. And that was way before the IPO of Oaksley or, right. or Beyond Meat itself. Right. So there's always the saying that, you know, um, for people who understand ice hockey, uh, the legend, Wayne Gretzky, mm -hmm. 
Um, the famous quote is, you know, don't skate to where the puck is, skate to where the puck will be. It's like if this present moment, you know, the hot space or the hot spot is here, and then you come here, chances are you may already be too late. Mm. Both for the investors and the entrepreneurs. T- timing is what well, to any business, any entrepreneurs in the world. Timing, of course, is critical. I mean, being too early or too late um, is not good. (laughs) The overnight, the so-called overnight success usually took 10 years to build. So, yeah, the fact that we are having this dialogue right now Mm. and talking about what I did back in 2012 or 15 or 18. Yeah, indeed. I mean, back then, no one really cared. Yeah. Um, and we were just, you know, in our tiny space, you know, with like five, eight, 10, 15, and then 50. And then before you know it, all of a sudden we have like 200 people. Mm. Yeah. So that's quite frankly, uh, the, the typical journey of uh, entrepreneurs and startups. I'm going to ask you a final couple of quite broad questions sure. on, on that note. So you've had a lot of success so far, no doubt more success to come. But lots of people will want to reach your level of success and never will. As you kind of alluded to earlier, things may not go right. They'll, they'll strive to get there and they won't, of course. What do you think is the difference that's got you to where you are today? The difference is that I, before Green Monday, I fail plenty of times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, this, this is one critical um, if that there is in if there's indeed a line of advice that I share is don't confuse failing at a certain task or even failing at let's say starting a company with you yourself as a failure. Never mix those two things up. Mm. Failing is actually a requirement for any businesses, entrepreneurs, or any anyone. Quite frankly, artists. You know, you, again, that hit song that becomes number one, you know, globally um, and then getting Grammys award or, you know, Oscar. I mean, again, most majority of these people actually grind and grind and grind for a long time. Mm-hmm. So failing at something is a requirement. So I have always been very public to say that, I mean, I started my first business back in 1999 at the tail end of the dot-com bubble Mm -hmm. and then bad timing, you know, uh, by 2000 and 2001, the bubble burst and I fail my first company uh, in less than two years. I mean, obviously that was not fun, but, and then I failed at a lot of other things too, actually. Um, I mean, for a while, I mean, I, I hate to say this, but actually not that long ago, like 10 years ago, there was someone very close to me who actually said to me that, David, have you realized that everything you try to do has failed? This is real. I'm quoting. Wow. Yeah. Actually, yeah, that, that really hurt. That, I, hurt. That, that actually really hurt. And that came from someone very close to me. Right. Okay. Yes. Actually, even recalling that, I mean... Like, it's still painful. painful. So if you ask me, what does it take to hopefully, you know, put a dent in the world and make an impact, continue to fight, to fight and continue to fail. Um, and then you fail forward. I mean, that, that is the story. I mean, 
Green Monday is the accumulation of a lot of learning and mistakes before we kind of get to this point that at least it seems like we're finally making some impact. Mm. Um, final question, David. If our listeners take away just one insight from this conversation that will help them to build a better world, what should it be? Be the change. Be the change you want to see in the world. I mean, that's not a quote from me. That's from Gandhi. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, be the change. No matter how small that baby step may seem, do it. I mean, if I mean, there are so many problems in today's world that we need to hopefully fix or at least try to, you know, do something about it. Do it. Be the change. David Young, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. That's it for another episode of Crazy Smart Asia. If you've enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe wherever you're listening to this. And please do leave us a rating and review, as it really helps our stories reach more people who'll take something from them. Next week, Lee will be talking to Peggy Choi, founder and CEO of Knowledge as a Service Platform Link. The pair will be discussing managing rapid growth, the value of connections, and how to build a winning company culture. Until then, try to remember: don't skate to where the puck is; skate to where the puck will be. See you next time. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.